And now, from Grid Square Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. Well, well, hello and welcome. Amateur Radio Amplified on 100 Watts and a Wire. It's Christian. My call sign is Kilo Zero Sierra Tango Hotel. And whether you're an experienced ham radio operator or just getting started, this podcast is designed to mentor, entertain, and provide a welcoming community of radio enthusiasts from around the world. Uh, we're going to cover some news, information, and uh, you're listening to episode number 388. You can maximize your signal. We're going to talk about impedance a little bit tonight. And uh, tune in live every Sunday, 6 o'clock Central Time on YouTube, as we do the live recording here as a live stream. And if you uh, subscribe, the episodes will be sent to you directly to your device. Steve is here, W7UDI. How's it going with you, sir? It's uh, so much fun in the pre-show. That's the one we should probably charge admission for. <laughs> oh, we'd probably get in trouble. We'll get a I strike think, or two or three. <laughs> I think we would probably lose. But, but, uh, nah, doing pretty good. Busy week, uh, like everybody. So uh, glad to be here. Good to have you. And uh, let's see. We got Scotty here. Scotty holding down the East Coast. He is Kilo Charlie 3 Bravo X-Ray November. What's going on with you back east? Uh, like everyone else on the team, uh, busy, busy week. Um, lots of 12-hour days this past week. So It is nuts. Isn't that funny how you settle in and it was just 12 hours? Mine, mine tended yeah. to be like 8.30 to 8.30. And, and that, that's kind of how those uh, days went. And then Friday was pretty laid back. I was glad to get through Thursday. And I was like, oh, I think I've hit the maximum hours of what you pay me for. So I think I'm going to stop working at this point. Uh, did you have uh, days from hell? You're a foreman, uh, Steve. So uh, I imagine your mm -hmm. job to be a lot of uh, having the guys do those things. And then when they F those things up, you got to do it. Is that how it yeah. works? Uh -huh. <laughs> or tell them to redo it. and then uh... Redo that. That's a no. And then there's you. dealing with engineers so, oh. and they can, they can kind of engine, they can't engineer their way out of a paper bag at times. And, uh, they can screw up engineering a wet dream, uh, most of the time. So you telling me when I wake up early from my dreams, it's an engineer somewhere has <laughs> screwed that up for me. Dang. I knew it. Yep. <laughs> Just when I'm getting ram going in for Ginger and Marianne, it's like, mm, well, uh. it's my engineers. So I'm only talking about oh, my engineers. Okay. Not all. <laughs> I don't know about yours. Uh, Scotty, what sort of work were you doing this week that got you caught up? Oh, uh, well, typically I don't do many recording sessions at the studio anymore, but there was a, a couple that came across this week. Um, for uh, some uh, a children's show that's going to be happening at the Kennedy Center, and it involved uh, a band of uh, DC police officers, and they showed up to the studio uh, just after their shift, all in full uniform, um, pistol belts and all, and lugging in keyboards and drums and stuff, and that ended nice. up going uh, till one the one of the one night the first night they were in, we ended up going to almost midnight. So, damn, it was a long day, long day. Damn. Hey Charlie, give me a little more handcuff. <laughs> yeah, a little louder. Can you get it? Can on get a, little more, a little more Glock in my headphones, please. <laughs> you know, like, and Scotty's going. Give me some more cowbell. <laughs> more, just more cowbell. No, no, none of that. Put your gear down, man. Speaking of gear, I lost my my favorite little uh, flashlight today. I was out looking at something in my truck because I'm going to 
upgrade a little cable in there for my mobile rig and uh, the two meter side. And I went in there to check out this connection thing. And, and I think I went and picked up some, you know, some twigs and stuff like that to build a fire for my girls. And it fell out of my pocket somewhere. And uh, so I was asking today on the socials, what do you, what do you guys carry? Your everyday carry uh, flashlight. What do you like that's small? Do you guys pack one that's like an everyday thing for you? What, what do you like? Um, I haven't packed one, but my cell phone has a flashlight, so I kind of use that a lot. Good point. How about you, Scotty? Yeah, I use the cell phone a lot, but also like these uh, Nebo um, rechargeables. Let me see. Yeah, oh, Nebo. Okay. Nebo. Yeah. Let me get a closer look. Hold on. Hold it back up there. Let's see. Okay. He's showing us a nice, got a nice little bulge there at the top. Does it have like a clip for your pants? <laughs> he ain't showing um, me that. What's wrong with you guys? This one does not, but I, I, uh, I, th- th- I'd usually wear like a, a cargo style pants with a little tool mm. sort of like gotcha. a painter sort of thing. So I usually slide it in one of those slots. Okay, it all sounds dirty when you talk about it. Uh, just for our listening audience, uh, we were talking about our lights. So uh, for our friends who have gathered here today, you're welcome to put your everyday carry flashlights. It's really small. It's little. It just takes a little AA battery, and man, it kicks ass. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go try to kick around some leaves to find it. It's a bit of a bummer. Anywho. Uh, you can let us know. If you have a question about anything related to life or amateur radio, put a cue in front of it and uh, drop it in there. We also have uh, in the chat, and we also have some questions from people that came in this week. We'll be doing that in just a little bit, so hang tight with us. Steve, fellas, I thought we would talk a little bit about a word that I think when you first get into amateur radio, and this will rile up some of the old schoolers and the ones that are like... You should know what these things are. You took it was on the test. You, I get that all day long. I just, you know, like you sympathize and some of my, it's how it feels. It comes back like you should know this, but the word is impedance, right? Mm-hmm. It just sounds like one of those words when you get into amateur radio, like oh man, impedance and fifty fifty ohms and impedance. And I figure we talk about it for a little bit, not to get too super technical, but, you know, in a way that could maybe improve your signal strength. And I think for me, it's mm-hmm. a fancy word for, you know, how much resistance the antenna has for the flow of electricity. So starting there, I figure we talk about what you thought, Steve, about the word impedance. Is there another way to look at this, what it does? We can talk about how to measure it, troubleshoot, that kind of thing. Uh, when I mention impedance to you, what what comes to mind, Steve? Oh, we're dealing with RF, and um, <clears throat> and uh, having impedances match uh, with any AC type circuit, that's where impedance comes along. It it's not involved in DC, whether it's uh, audio RF. Um, impedance is a kind of like resistance to DC. And uh, we want our impedance to match as close to each other from the output of the equipment to the input of the antenna or what our other equipment, uh, whether it's, you know, stages in uh, the audio. Because um, when you have an impedance mismatch, you're having a loss of signal. So we want the maximum power transfer is we want to have the impedances equal. And whether that is 50 ohms, like we typically have for our antenna systems, or 600 ohms for a low impedance audio circuit, or or 1K, or even higher, 
as long as those impedance are are matching. Uh, if you remember back in the day when we dealt with, uh, you know, our stereo systems and we we have our um, our uh, speakers and uh, you know eight ohms, we want to make sure that the uh, that the output of the audio amplifier is eight ohms or whatever. And uh, if you paralleled up another set of speakers onto the eight ohms, you've just now created a four ohm load to an eight ohm. <laughs> to an eight home uh, source and now everything is is out of whack and uh, so it's impedances are are, are important but I don't think you, we're going to get too deep into the weeds because it's just that's an engineering thing but for us let's keep it simple and uh, and and move along. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about how it's measured. There there are ways to measure whether I mean we can talk about you know, I have a few listed here, and I I won't get in your way with this, Steve. But uh, how are some ways? No, no. Uh, we, I mean, I've got an SWR meter. I've got an. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to use an RF bridge, or maybe what that even means. Uh, the VSWR meter, antenna analyzer, network analyzer. So clearly, there's some tools here that can those help you tools, figure yep, this out. That, let's, uh, let's talk about measure those impedance. Mm-hmm. And the RF bridge is one of them. Uh, our uh, little uh, <clears throat> antenna analyzers are a great tool. They they also measure impedance. Uh, VSWR or SWR, either way, they're both the same. Is um, if you don't have a one to one, then you're going to have an impedance difference. And um, so that's a, that's a way to uh, to know that there's an impedance difference. Now, when you measure with SWR, you don't know which way it is, whether it's the impedance on the load is higher or lower than the source. So, but you know, there's a mismatch because you have SWR. All right, cool. There's a few questions. I see them coming in and I appreciate that. Ricardo's got a question and I know uh, Sheena is new. We'll be talking about that in just a little bit. Uh, Let's say you've got a mismatch in impedance. What are some of the ways that you can correct it, Steve? Or adjusting the load. Uh, well, if you're, what are we talking about? Antenna. Let's talk about yeah. the most common for us. It's yeah. going to be antenna impedance, and uh, and one way is to make changes on uh, our antenna, make adjustments. Well, where is the impedance? And for us to find the impedance that's going to match would be where the frequency is, where we have the best VSWR, whether it's on the upper end of the band or the lower end of the band or it's wherever your your best match is because that's where you're going to have your maximum power transfer then we're going to make the adjustments to whether we lengthen or shorten the antenna this is strictly antenna we're not talking about you know audio or anything else uh, but uh, for antennas we're going to we're going to make that um, adjustment uh, as far as if you're using a antenna that's like a multi-band uh, and you're using some kind of, uh, say you made a doublet antenna, where you're using a length of uh, ladder line to be a impedance adjuster, it's basically the it's going to fit into um, what your balance is, a 4 to 1 or 6 to 1, 9 to 1, 49 to 1, whatever balance, because those are ununs, they're just transformers. You're going to either lengthen or shorten that to to have that impedance at your source 
match. So you have the maximum power transfer in ter- at the same time match the same impedance at the antenna, the physical antenna itself. So there's uh, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of factors in play here, but uh, those are um, are one of the games that we'll play with uh, if you have an off center fed dipole. Where you, your feed points usually around 200 ohms impedance. That's the impedance, and our radios are 50 ohms. So we need a four to one impedance transformation. Now, whether you do that with a with a ballon or unun, or you do it with a length of say 75 ohm coax or or twin lead, that is you know the, there's ways to make that uh, impedance transformation so that you have the maximum transfer of power from point A to point B to C and D and and radiate out of the antenna. And no, I'm, I'm trying not to get too deep. No, that's cool. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, it's one I like of those to keep topics. It Disney. It's one of yeah. those topics. Uh, Scotty, you mentioned earlier in the week there's a uh, an audio side to impedance too. Do you want to talk about that or is that going to get too tricky? Go ahead. No, no just, just that? briefly. Steve, Steve mentioned it briefly, but yeah, anytime you have an alternating current, um, it's resistance to flowing is, is we call that impedance because it's a, um, it is not just a, a, a re, just a sheer resistance like a direct current can have, um, where the, um, the left, you know, the residuals is, 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 is uh, is ex, ex, expels as heat in an AC, uh, AC circuit with impedance mismatches, you have, uh, uh reactants, which, um, entails uh, some capacitance and some inductance happening and so the the energy is not necessarily dissipated as heat it can be depending on the it's also frequency and amplitude based so it can be stored uh, as a capacitive uh, energy and then actually re-released back into the circuit um so it gets very it gets very uh, complex on um, getting into impedances um but with you know, as far as uh Thinking of it as you know, just a kind of resistance of our, our flow of energy from point A to point B, um, which is, you know, the ultimate goal is is to match those, to get the the maximum power transfer. Um, then, uh, impedance matching. Thinking of it as you know, sort of a, a resistive thing is is I think it's just fine. Now we're audio too. From Sheena Marie Hawkins, the only female in the 100 Watson Wire community maybe she must be uh so popular i don't know I, that might not be true there is rosa rosa is also we have a couple mm-hmm. others uh question what meter helps with impedance uh i guess we talked a little bit about the swr meter uh, what's a common one steve that that because uh, i know she's new uh, what would well, be it, new it if she was? It comes down to which impedance are you trying to measure. I'm, like I said, you know, we have a we have a bridge, an RF bridge is one. We just have a a Wheatstone bridge is an, another one. But um, we have uh, you know analyzers like this. We have uh, vector ne- network analyzed VNAs. We have uh, network analyzers. There's there's a lot of tools out there. But if we're looking at just strictly um, for our antenna system, and that's where and that, and for us as as radio amateurs, that's going to be the biggest impact or the biggest factor we're going to be dealing with when it comes to impedance. Um, your VSWR bridge or SWR bridge, whatever you want to call it, is a good start. It will tell you whether your impedance is uh, is you know there'll be a mismatch. A you know a tool like this. Uh, a net, you know, antenna analyzer, whether it's the uh, rig expert or if it's a MFJ or, or 
a VNA, one of those inexpensive uh, uh, Chinese VNAs, they will kind of give you a little more information. They'll give you a you know a readout and say, oh, you know, you got a you got an impedance of twenty three ohms, uh, and it's like, oh, well, my radio is is fifty ohms. No wonder I'm seeing a, a two to one VSWR. So uh, that's you know, for 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 antennas, this is the simplest and the easiest way to to get there to find impedance. There you go. If you have a question about anything uh, related to amateur radio, put a cue in front of it, drop it in the chat tonight. We'll be answering some more questions in just a little bit. But now, and thank you for those explanations, Steve. Sidecar Steve, everybody. Everybody is a mentor. <laughs> Woo! Oh. <laughs> I did find that to be... Dynamite! Let's go to January 24th, 1984. Apple introduces the Macintosh 128K. You guys remember that. Mm -hmm. You guys remember that. We were all around for that, I'm pretty sure. If you're younger than that, I want to know who you are. On the 25th, now 1915, I was only like six months old. But the first intercontinental telephone call happened. Uh, January 25th, 1915. It was uh, my grandmama calling grandpa to say, come pick this little boy up. He just made a mess. A blowout, I think it was. A blowout <laughs> in my pants. <laughs> 1915 style. That was cloth diapers back then, so you know how that went. Going uh, also on the 25th, but many years later, 1964, USA launches the second communication satellite. It was the Echo 2. The Echo and on the 31st, in 1958, the United States launches its first satellite. Any guesses on the first satellite launched in 1958? January 31st? Put your answers in the chat. We'll wait. Hopefully the song will be long enough. Just kidding for the people listening. They're like, what? What do you mean? Why? Wait for what? It was called Explorer. The Explorer, the first satellite. Explorer. All right, there you go. And first that US is this week's that first. That is. Yes. Uh, good point there. Oh, girl. <laughs> it's that time, girl. I've been waiting 18 minutes to talk to you. <laughs> first, we got to let Scotty do this thing. I don't know. You know how it is. There's a structure to it. <laughs> to it. <laughs> Events for January. Scotty, what's going on around the way? Uh, a couple things coming up uh, next weekend here. We have uh, one of my personal favorites, the, the Winter Field Day. Um, yeah. Happening on January 28th and 29th. It's uh, out in the cold. We also next have the uh, CQ 160-meter CW contest is happening Ooh. next weekend as well. Oh. 160. Kind of love the 160. This one's the CW. Um, Quartz Fest in Quartzsite, Arizona is still going on. Uh, we'll be running through now through the uh, the 28th. I think there's a Quartz uh, uh, Fest distance challenge uh, as part of the festivities happening next weekend there. Um, and... Uh, of course, we have the Bouvet Island, the expedition, um, which is uh, everyone's an anxiously anticipating their arrival. Mm -hmm. um, I know Uncle Paul's been uh, been giving us some updates on the Discord. 
Yeah, you know, I asked him if he would like to do it. We didn't we didn't set up him making an appearance on the thing, but let me go up and turn off the sexy time because when I think of Bouvet Island, I only think of it as a, <laughs> a, a treacherous place to be going. Let's talk about some of the stuff he gathered for Bouvet Island, and you know they're out there again doing it again. This is uh, a dependency. It's an island, a dependency of Norway. I think we have a couple of listeners. We may have two people that listen in Norway. It's definitely Finland we have somebody, and I believe we have someone in Norway where it's cold. What is it, Steve? It's cold nine months out of the year, and then, crap, I can't remember what he said. Uh, Twelve months, it's damn cold, or... I can't remember. Yeah. It's cold all year. uh, 12 months cold and then nine months damn cold. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. So it's the uh, number two on the most wanted DX entity, only second to North Korea. And many believe in our lifetime, this may not happen, this North Korea. We've been teased a little bit with, uh, oh, there's a team from Poland that's going to sneak in and and, uh, light up North Korea. But uh, I don't know. Hopefully... Maybe one day, can you imagine the pileups? Uh, oh, but God, this yeah. is this is the number two uh, most wanted DX entity, mm-hmm. and they're trying to do it again. It's an uninhabited and protected nature reserve, and uh, it's the world's most remote island. We're talking about Bouvet, Bouvet Island. Let's see, Antarctica is over 994 miles to the south. Uh, it's the closest landmass is 994 miles away. Plus, it's over uh, 1,500 miles southwest of the Cape of Good Hope of mm-hmm. South Africa. There have been two expeditions, the 3Y0J and 3Y0Z and 3Y01. Both teams had to turn back. The other two had to turn back either from bad weather or motor problems. That was the one I, I most remember is the one with the uh, engine that issues. Was, that was the one a couple of years ago. Yep. And uh, now we've got 3Y0J as of right now. The team's on their way. They're in a boat called the Maramba. It's a 101-foot uh, ocean uh, sailing vessel. Length is 31 meters. The beam is 6.5 meters for our nautical friends out here. It'll mean a lot to you. It has two masts. And uh, it's one of these unique vessels onto itself, very capable of such a journey. There's 13 team members, two honorary team members that are now silent keys. Six pilots uh, are on board. And uh, the band plans are pretty straightforward at this point, according to their website. They have full uh, details there. Uh, they're going to do some FT8 with 100 watts, CW single sideband with 1,500 watts. And uh, the word of the day is to remain patient. They're going to try to upload daily logs Mm -hmm. to Club Mm -hmm. Log. And uh, what is it? M0 Oscar Kilo Oscar log search once a day. And they're going to, if the connections are good, they'll be able to do that. But you got to be patient because they're on the most remote island in the world. So there you go. Mm -hmm. They left uh, three days late. Go ahead. Yeah. And the first week, once they're on the air, guys, just. Just hang out. It's going to be pure pandemonium. It's going to be, um, you're going to see, I hate to say it, kind of the ugly of of the hobby here because people are going to, they're going to lose their mind and it's, um, and they're just going to, it's going to be crazy. You're going to have just, uh, the big guns are all going to be out. 
and they're going to want to get it in. They want to be the first and uh, they want. Yep. <laughs> and it's uh, and so you might as well just kind of that first week. I think they plan on operating for about three weeks, um, but it's uh, quite a extensive operation. So the first signals that will be on will be they're still getting, you know, they'll get a station going. It won't be optimal. And then they'll just mayhem will ensue. And then uh, and and things will get more equipment will get, you know, installed and antennas up. And th then the operators will start to get into their rhythm. So by the second week, things will kind of start to settle down and, uh and then, you know, by the third week, uh, things will be, they'll be rocking and rolling and on a, on, you know, doing great. And then they'll, it'll probably end up towards the end. This is my prediction that they're going to be begging for contacts. So, uh, it, uh, but I would say the first week I, I'm, you know, I'm out, <laughs> I mean, I'll listen and stuff like that, but I'm not going to even try. It was like the Congo, uh operation it was i waited for a week or so or two or whatever to finally you know dip my toes in there because it was just pure pandemonium it uh uh people kind of uh yeah they're they're so focused on getting that contact that they just lose all sense of mind and uh and courtesies and customs and it's just uh, it's just a um, bovine feces show Ooh, feces show. There you go. That's the title of this one, everybody. The Bovine Feces Show. Welcome to it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what I'm thinking, what I don't appreciate, sometimes, you know, this goes back to the very basics. When we talk about a big de-expedition like this, you've got to listen for a little bit. Listen anyway. Mm -hmm. Steve is telling you, listen for a long time because you might not be getting close. We could talk about techniques and things that, you know, try to squeeze... Uh, you know, everything into your signal and get in there and how you, how do you do all that? But, you know, you got to listen, first of all, to know if they're operating split. That could be a very big oh, they possibility. Will be. Yeah, they will be. The key is to find what split they are operating. And then uh, because it's just, it'll be operating non-split or simplex is, uh, it, it just doesn't work. It just turns into a uh, a cluster. And uh, you can fill in the rest. Mm -hmm. Yes, you fill in the rest there. They left three days late, uh, so they were waiting for their equipment to arrive. And they'll be sailing for 11 to 14 days. And they should arrive if Uncle Paul's uh, predictions are true. January 28th through the 31st. And uh, they'll need approximately three days to get set up and get on the air. So that's kind of uh, the word from Uncle Paul, who's been following it uh, pretty extensively. So we were like, hey, you want to give us some details? What are you doing? Because he's watching it. They've got a, a website where you can kind of track their progress, which was kind of fun. But uh, I just posted go. that in the uh, in the chat. All right. If you have questions yep. about that or anything else related to amateur radio, go ahead and drop it in there. It was something I was going to bring up regarding that, uh, the expeditions and, and stuff of that nature, but, or even the big contests. And I remember an early mentor of mine, he'd say, you know, sometimes you just got to go read a book. Take a nap, go read a book, because cause you can just wear yourself out. Just wear yourself out calling and calling. Do you suggest putting a recording on yours? Like, I, I always do mine, like, in real time, you know, instead of, like, trying to 
get in there, you know, how to do an audio recording. Uh, you could. I mean, I, I don't. Um, Seems like I'll another just call real time because I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out their pattern and then trying to, well, do you, do you, when they go QRZ or they say, thank you, do you start transmitting right Mm -hmm. then and there? Or do you kind of wait a half a second to a second or so then transmit and trying, you know, you try different techniques and yeah, you could probably do it with recording, but then, you know, you got to hit the button and everything. So I, I don't know to each his own. That's what's cool about the hobby to each its own. Yep, if we could all just live by that, that would be uh, that would be great. I put a poll up, so to speak, uh, for the uh, YouTube on the YouTube channel asking about uh, should the head of the FCC be required to have an amateur radio license? This was a video I did on TikTok earlier this week because I heard some fellows. This was one of those heard on the air eighty meter editions, and the guys were. <laughs> You know, they were they were uh, debating. I'll, I'll call it that. I don't know if it was an actual. They were debate. opinionated. <laughs> they were definitely opinionated and talking about, you know, that anybody who's ahead of the FCC should be required to have an amateur radio license. Now, I didn't give my opinion on any of this. I just wanted to know what the folks on TikTok and then on YouTube would think. So I put it out there for you today. If you're joining us here live, go ahead and take the poll. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. And then I mentioned it to Steve, you know, when we got, uh, when we uh, connected up tonight. And what did you think, Steve? I, 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 w- I would think it'd be great if, if they were, um, because then they would, uh, they would understand uh, our plight, uh, understand the hobby, but then also understand rf and what the function of you know the electromagnetic spectrum is but unfortunately they are political appointees so they they don't know jack when it comes to the technical part of it Uh, there's the engineering side of the fcc but it would be nice to have people with technical know-how would it happen that's a pipe dream. As long as it stays a political appointment, I don't think it'll happen. If the head of the FCC had a, a ham license, that would be awesome. Yeah, I think it would be, be great. But in reality, I really don't see it happening. That just thought, uh, Uncle Joe, are you going to appoint a ham radio operator to be the head of FCC? What? Yeah, right. I can't imagine that would be high on the list. And, and, and no. we're not we're not very high on the list either, you know, and I think the political nature of that whole thing is what's true. You know what I mean? It's a political appointed position. It's a lady right now. Her, her name, you know, slips me at this point, but yeah, yeah, it would be cool. It would be somebody who had some sort of empathy for our, our situation, but I think they need to be really savvy in what is making them dough, which is probably mm-hmm. a different kind of wireless communications. If you know, you get my drift is probably, Something else is what's making them a lot of money. Isn't that right, boys? Yeah, that's right, yes. That's right. Yes, yes. There you go. From hot off the presses on 80 meters, uh, we our poll right now, yes, 58% of the people who are, are joining us tonight believe, yes, they should have an FCC uh, requirement that the uh, head of the FCC has an amateur radio license. Also on TikTok, I guess if I could go over there real quick, that was another one where people were like, yeah, absolutely, they should. 
you know, they should. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. So overwhelmingly, I didn't take a poll there, but, that, you know, some, some folks did chime in with the idea, yep, they probably should um, be doing that. They'd be great, but not likely. Sorry to uh, rain on your parade there, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, mean, I, w- says, I would love to see it. I would love to see an administration that uh, that would pick uh, a head of FCC and then say, "Oh, by the way, I think as the head of this admin, you know, XYZ administration." you should have your amateur radio license so that you would have a better understanding of the RF spectrum. Um, and just, just, just get your license, just going through that process, taking the test also would expose that person as how the FCC, the inner workings of the FCC and how to get your license, what it takes. And, and maybe it might, you know, make, you know, ensue some changes or, uh, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a pipe dream, but it would be great. <laughs> I got a good point. Maybe we should we should talk about here. We were um, uh, just talking about Bouvet Island and the operation of working split. Is there an easy definition of working split that you can come up with, Steve, to kind of for our new and newer ham radio operators, what that means and what it means to your radio? So working split is, it means that you're, you listen on uh, one frequency, which is going to be the DX entities transmit. So they're going to transmit on one frequency and then you're going to transmit on another frequency. And sometimes the, and they'll, they'll say five up or five to 10 up or five to 15 up. And that means that the DX entity is listening five to 15 kilohertz above where they're transmitting. So if they're, we'll, we'll just pick a frequency, uh, 14,250. Uh, this was the, uh, the Congo, uh, operation here the other day. So they were transmitting on 14,250. So you're listening on 14,250 and then you set your second VFO and you put your radio into split mode. And by then you're, you're transmitting because I'm listening, the, the DX is listening between uh, five to 15 up or well, in the case, five to 10. So he's going to listen from two, six, two fifty five to two sixty, And he's going to listen right into that band. And what he does is that he or she, I, I apologize for excluding our females, uh, operators out there, they will move their receiver and they'll just tune in someone that's calling them. They go, oh, oh, look at that. There's Scotty. Let me tune Scott. Okay, uh, okay, Scotty. And then they'll they'll reply back to Scotty, and then they'll just keep on going. But operators have a pattern. So some just kind of stay in one spot, and then others will just kind of move up the band, and then and then go back down to the bottom, and then move back up. Or others will start from the top, where their listening window, and then they'll move down. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, patterns that. And that's what you try to develop by listening. You try to figure out what they're doing. And uh, having pan adapters is an awesome tool because now you can see where where uh, people are uh, responding back to. So it's, uh, but it just makes, it makes it easier for the person on the other end. So, and then in theory, everybody is just listening to their transmit. It's a clear frequency. But unfortunately, uh, and I've made the mistake before. I've done it, uh, guilty as charged, that I forgot to put my radio in transmit or into split, and I had it set up. I just didn't push the button, and I'm calling them on their transmit frequency, and I got chastised. It's like, 
uh, he's working split and it's like, oh, oh, you know, had that, uh, you know, that moment. And it was like, yeah, felt like an idiot. And I was, but uh, we move on. Well, you got the nice version of it. Unfortunately, I don't care for the band police. I mean, I, I've done it too. I've been that person. And I do appreciate when they say, because it's like either you didn't know or you did, you forgot to push the button, mm-hmm. the working split, five up. That's what you hear, five up, five up. And then the band police get so annoyed at doing this because a lot of people just aren't listening at all. Sometimes they make mistakes. Sometimes they're not paying attention. He's working up, dumbass. I was like, oh, here we go. You yeah, there we go. It's Eleven as, days as of this. They're transmitting. They're now, you know, interfering with the DX yeah, entity, and it just gets everybody all upset. And uh, it's just if you want to be a band cop, just be cool about it, and just you know, if someone is working them simplex, just say five up or list. They're listening up. Don't go in there and throw insults. You dumbass. You don't know what you're doing and da-da-da-da-da. It doesn't help. It doesn't help anybody. But a little encouragement, just say, hey, they're listening up. I think that's okay. But uh, editorializing, you know, what what you think of the other operator is is not. It's Dumas. The Dumas. Dumas. That's Dumas. Douchebaggery, what it is. Douchebag. <laughs> Douchebaggery. If you find value in 100 Watts and Wire, you can support the content and the community you enjoy by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash 100 watts. It's an easy way. It's as easy as buying us a cup of coffee and actually cheaper. If you uh, became a member of the monthly plan, our dipole level is just $1 an episode. It's $4 a month. Coffee at your local corner store is $15 a bucket or Damn. whatever it costs. Yeah, I don't know. It's up near where I you ate all seven the other day for Starbucks. But seven. Like, there you go. That's a lot of dough for a cup of coffee, man. I'll make my own. Sorry. It's actually cheaper than a real cup of coffee. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash 100 watts today. And thank you. And thanks to our new supporters, N3LOU and Dick. K-A-4-H-U-M. I bet you Dick is here. I bet you Dick is here and in our chat. <laughs> Hello, Dick. If it's Dick Johnson, Dick Johnson is here, and that's my favorite name. I'm like, Mom, why didn't you give me a name like this? I used to work with a guy named Ron Woodcock. It's like, damn, <laughs> you're the luckiest guy I know. <laughs> Anywho, as we uh, carry on... I could uh, just see it in school. Woodcock, Woodcock. <laughs> you're doing a Ferris Bueller day. Woodcock. <laughs> Woodcock. What a name. <clears throat> anyway, Scotty, what's going on? Ham Fest. Nobody's getting a uh, Ham Fest until like March or April, right? No January Ham Fest. Oh, yeah, that's happening. That's happening, especially down south, like in uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, January 27th. Jackson, Mississippi, Capital City Ham Fest. And it's also an ARRL Mississippi State Convention. That's happening on the 27th. Uh, there's a Winter Fest happening um, in Collinsville, Illinois. The, and it's an ARRL Midwest Division Convention as well. And uh, and um, on the lovely, one of Steve's favorite places, the lovely um, Hawaii. Oh, It's the yeah. Big Island of Hawaii International Swap Meet and Ham Fest. January yeah, baby. 2023. Uh, a few more uh, ham fests um, going on. I've listed them on the events channel on our Discord server. Um, so you can swing over there and uh, see what else is happening next weekend, uh, perhaps in your neck of the woods. 
uh, in my neck of the woods is Winterfest that is uh, happening next weekend. Also, it's on Winter Field Day, so it's a busy one. I'm going to try to break away and get up there uh, to Winterfest. It's not too far from here, about 30 minutes. If I can, I will. Nice. And I like to look under the tables. That's what uh, yeah. Sidecar says. Look under the tables. That's where you get all that coax on. Make that coax if you on. want to build a double bazooka. Pew, pew, yep. pew. Yeah, look under the table. And get, get under the table. You might see somebody's <laughs> walk on my holies down there, but uh, hey, keep looking down for the coax and not the Johnsons. Oh, perfect segue into if you're looking for a power solution, check out BioNO Power, offering the best lithium phosphate batteries for your ham radios. Visit BioNOPower.com. That's B I O E N N O Power.com. There you go. All right. Thank you so much for your patience. Yeah, I do have a fear of looking under the table and somehow seeing somebody's Gordos hanging out. But, uh, <laughs> it's winter time. <laughs> it's winter. Maybe you won't see that, but some people, they come from Michigan. They're like, it's not bad out here. Let me air them out. <laughs> oh man if you have a question put a cue in front of it and uh we will try to get uh, an answer for you as fast as we can we'll try to make a priority for the people that are here tonight and i could say don't look under any of these tables that uh people are talking to you you would see why i think these things is nobody there's a rule here don't stand up the camera's on. Don't stand up. Don't stand up, boy. Don't do it. All right. Let's uh, let's uh, see what kind of questions we have. How can I properly handle and store radio tubes? That's an interesting question that came our way earlier this week. We're talking about boat anchors and your mm -hmm. tubes in the radios. What do you think, Steve? Um, just handle them with care. I just uh, just don't go too crazy. I mean, they're, they're pretty durable. Um, you can grab them. You, it, you don't have to treat them like halogen light bulbs or anything like that, where you get, uh, oil off your, uh, your fingers on them. They won't, uh, fail. That's, just, uh, just a quick, but you don't want to still talking about tubes, not under the table. Right? <laughs> tubes, yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, we're talking about tubes. I didn't and, know if you changed uh, the subject or not. <laughs> And as far as properly storm, if you can uh, find a box that the tubes came in, or that's one thing, but that's probably not. You can just probably uh, put them in a little bit bubble wrap. But uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I had to go to the glass right after the conga loans. Uh, you set me up on this one. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't return. I can't go back. I'm like, he's like, handle them with care. Wrap them in bubble wrap. Gor Harry Gordos and stuff like that. <laughs> keep, keep your hands clean of oil. Move them around. Yeah. Like, oh, geez. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's bad. I need a commercial break now. <clears throat> but thank you for that question. I'll wrap them in bubble wrap and uh, handle them with care. There you go. Handle them with care. Another question, how can I break through a pileup with just 100 watts? This is good to know uh, through, uh, you know, this conversation we had here with Bouvet Island coming up. And as Steve is saying, look, that first few days, first four or five days might be just too nutty, you know, to get involved. We welcome you to try it. I mean, by all means, go ahead and try it. But uh, we can talk a little bit about some tips by, you know, working 100 watts. Go ahead, Steve. 
it's it comes down to technique is uh, is a big thing um and that's that timing whether you you wait a little bit and as is sometimes referred to as tail ending you can get in there um if the person is listening to one particular frequency say they're just listening five up maybe going off frequency a little bit to maybe change the tone of your voice is uh, another one uh, a, a lot depends on the operator that um whether they're um, they're going for the biggest signal that they're hearing, or they're or trying to listen in into the crowd, I'm I when I'm doing the net nights and stuff, I'm trying to listen for the weaker signals a, a fair amount of times, and I'll kind of pick a a person and a, a tone of voice that I want to that I hear, and I'll kind of try to focus in on that. So, but that's my technique, you know, as I'm operating from an as a neck controller uh part of it but it's uh i think that it's not impossible to work bouvet island with 100 watts you can do it it's just going to come down to technique and uh just trying to find that and and then anticipating where that uh that person is going to be listening at. if they're listening you know working their way up or working their way down and uh you can do it that way. Another way is if they've kind of gone from a break or something, just stay on the frequency, wait and wait. And then uh, they come back and there's a good chance that you might get them on the, the first one or two calls that they're making to, uh, before the rest of the, the pack wakes up and realizes they're back on the air. So uh, you, you're just going to have to find it, but it's doable, but technique is going to be your biggest, uh, ally to work uh, a, a rare dx station right on thank you for that question appreciate that uh james kilo india 5 oscar echo brava bravo <laughs> i turned into a, a baguette I turned, <laughs> I turned fancy kilo india 5 oscar echo bravo he wants to know what does five up or down mean five up or down or is where the station is listening so wherever their transmit frequency is or where they're transmitting on, they're going to be either listening up the band or they're going to be listening down the band. The typical convention is they listening up. So, But they can switch it up and listen down. That's why it's important to listen to the, to the, uh, to the operator. There'll be stuff posted on the DX cluster and say, oh, yeah, you know, they're, they're doing that. They might say they're Q, QRV or whatever, five, but... They might not be. They might change it. That's why you gotta listen to the operator, and uh, and listen to their instructions and uh, to be successful. So, most of the time they're listening up the band, but they could be listening down the band depending on where they're operating at the time. All right. Thank you, James. Kilo India Five only eats baguettes. <laughs> baguettes. Uh, a great point here from November 4, Papa Lima Sierra. He says, listen, have patience, be persistent, and research propagation. Good tips. Spot on. All right. Let's move on to a, another, another question. Uh, it is, what are the benefits of buying a software-defined radio? Oh. Interesting. Do you want to take a shot at that, Scotty? Uh, well, for uh, for me, that just uh, the benefits right out of the right out of the gate would be the uh, the DSP that you can get with an SDR. Um, tons of uh, of signal processing for your RX noise reduction, 
um, digital filters galore, um, and the ability to uh, to easily um, integrate that into uh, some software to uh, see the the waterfall, um, <laughs> which, I, which I love. Um, that's right out of the gate. Uh, that's uh, that's what I can off the top of my head. The benefit of that the R radio. Along with that, the other benefit is the uh, upgradability to um, the, the firmware upgrades. So like your your PCs and your Macs and mini Macs, and uh, there is upgrades in the OS. And that's the same thing that happens that occurs with the SDR radio is that they'll write, you know, they'll upgrade the algorithm or the, the firmware of the, and then you can have even greater DSP um, action out of it or, or features and uh, it will, uh, so it's just that you don't have to change the hardware. You're just, it's like getting a new radio without buying a new radio. You just upload the firmware. So there's a, a number of benefits from the software defined radio. Yeah. Speaking of SDR, I just read, uh, there's a, a blog yesterday from the SDR play guys. They're, uh, they're very close to releasing their, their multi-platform version of the SDR Uno, um, available for, it's going to be available for Mac very soon. I cannot wait to run an SDR Uno equivalent SDR software on my yes. computer. Now let's talk yes. about Excellent. it from a, a different angle. Now, we all know a computer life, depending on how hard you push them, Scotty and I may be pushing them harder with audio or video applications and making them do more. But, you know, your traditional computer, you may get five or seven years out of a computer before it starts to kind of become chitty, chitty, bang, bang, and you got to re-up. Is that how it's going to be for software-defined radios? Um, Pretty much. It, it just depends on the what the with the manufacturer of the software defined radio, what chipset they used at the time they designed it and put, and if it's going to have a short lifespan or is it going to have kind of a longer lifespan that the, if they have enough memory in there or so that they can add more features. And, uh, so, uh, I mean, there's a lot goes into it, but, uh, what it boils, I mean, in a nutshell, what it boils down to is that, there's going to be an improvement in say the waterfall or the, the, the pan adapter display. You don't have to go buy a new radio. You just basically reload the firmware and, but eventually they will say, Hey, we can't do any more with this particular chipset," and they're going to move on. It's, you know, like, like a, a MacBook pro. I mean, it's, if you got a 2011 MacBook Pro, it has a certain chipset in there, and it's like, well, this is as far as we're going with the OS. If you want the latest and greatest, you're going to need a, you know, uh, thir- you know, 13 and beyond, or you're going to need an M1 chipset based. I mean, it's just, uh, but as far as for SDR radios, it all depends on where they, what chipset they started with, and then how far they can go with it. But I think, you know, they'll get a good 10 years, maybe 15 years out of it without replacing oh, it. Okay. And well, that's good because I was thinking, it, technically, I mean, if I'm always wrong, so I'm not, I'm not immune to it or whatever. But, uh, you know, I look at the, these radios, these modern radios, it's kind of computers, you know. And then mm-hmm. I thought, oh, man, I did pay a good bit of money for the 7610. I would hate for that to, like, go crapping out after seven years. 
you know, because I might not be an investor again at that level in a seven-year radio, but 15, okay, you know what I mean? But Scotty's uh, Yesu FT101E or whatever that radio is, he's, that's going to be there, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm kind of hedging myself, thinking, you know, maybe I need to get me a pretty nice, polished, old, solid-state rig that's going to be... Or you could be for, Collins man. Oh. <laughs> you, could, you know they they always stick around old the old Collins. Hey, they're like uh, bunny you know, for the Collins in my one hundred and one. Hey Collins, what's <laughs> good? Yeah, okay. And that's, that that was a reference from one of Mark's posts on uh, in the Discord group. Uh, Collins man. <laughs> yeah, so you know I have thought about that computer aspect to I got our, my action pants on. Our modern rigs with the cuff, cuffed, my cuffed, cuffed press action pads. That's a little and inside. I pictures, but I have pictures of my wife and girlfriend, both, <laughs> but I don't have QSL cards because I know who I worked. Yeah. Because I'm Collins, man. <laughs> this is a this is fodder from our Discord server. So if you'd like to join mm -hmm. in the uh, nuttiness that happens over there from time to time, Mark is good. Stays up late. He finds these uh, cartoons that are kind of funny and things and like that. When he can't sleep, we all benefit from it uh, later. But you're all welcome to join us. And uh, for those who are here during the live stream, you just stay tuned. We'll be giving you live coverage of the 100 Watts and Wire Sunday evening net tonight for a bit anyway, uh, for a while. So you're welcome to join us there as well as we move into that. The Zoom room will be opened up as well. The link is in the description. Of course, listening to this anywhere, Sundays at 6 o'clock, join us. You can come here in person, hang out with us. We would love to meet you. Okie dokie. Uh, here's another one, Steve. How do I know my antenna needs to be tuned? uh swr is a uh is is the is your tool is the tool that uh you know you're going to look at or the the values you're going to look at uh whether the antenna is tuned or not most you know uh common commercial radios that we got out now and the people's radio like the 7300 they have built-in tuners so if you get close the the tuner will take care of that and uh you'll be just fine but it, if you turn that tuner off or don't invoke the tuner, then you'll know by high VSWR that something's amiss. So uh, VSWR or SWR is going to be your uh, indicator whether your antenna needs tuning or not. Very good. Thank you for that question. That was a good one. Uh, for our friends who are here, get your question in real quick. We're pressing up toward the top of the hour. If not, this will be it. Here's a question. Is a ham fest kind of like a... I guess it's supposed to be flea market. Flea market. Is a ham yes. fest kind of like a flea market? Exactly uh -huh. what it, it is. It is. It is exactly. Yep. You go in there, you see the stuff that people are, uh, you know, wanting to sell or their their spousal unit has told them they need to uh, uh, part, you know, get rid of some of their, their stuff and uh, their valuable goods in their shack or garage and... Uh, they will uh, peddle their wares at the uh, at the uh, ham fest or flea fest. Some of them call them, you know flea fests, and uh, it's uh, it's just a big swap meet. And you go over there, and negotiate, and uh, cash is king, and uh, and then hopefully you come off with a deal, and both parties are are happy. How 
a follow-up question. Thank you for that question. That's a good one. How uh, is it acceptable to haggle a little bit? To uh, oh god, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, I've found oh, yeah. that these guys don't want to take these big radios back home. They don't want to carry this crap back. So I think no. like uh, not that they're going to give it away or uh, as a steal, but I think they're they're pretty much pricing them to sell. So I just didn't know if haggling at that price point was appropriate. Yeah, I mean, I it's. I've I've haggled with it and it's like yeah, I'll they'll have something out there and I go, Hey, I I'll give you they say like they want uh thirty dollars for it. Uh well you take twenty and sometime and it, no, um I want thirty and that's usually at the beginning and then you kinda come around towards the end of the the ham fest and then that the item is still there. Take twenty for that. You wait them out, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll take twenty because they don't want to take it home. So, um, or they'll come back and say 25 and you go, okay, 25 and then go from there. Meet in the middle. Very good. Very good. I think we've done it again. Thank you all for your questions there. We appreciate that. If you have a question anytime tonight, put a cue in front of it, drop it in the chat. We'll pull them all back and try to answer them as we get them. I'm, I'm noticing now, and I'm very happy about it, that I feel like we're becoming a repository for new and newer hams. And then we've got the folks that have patience, the mentoring that takes patience and answering questions seem to be here at 100 Watts and Wire. I'm really proud of that fact. And saying that, I, I want to know what you're struggling with. You know, if you're trying to, doesn't matter if you're new or you've been in it for a while, what are you struggling with? What are you trying to put together? What can we go and research for you and try to get answers for you and help you out? Because this is a community and we... Uh, we're all in it together, I guess, is what I'm really trying or, to say, or, right? Or, you know, it, you don't have to be new. You, you could be someone that has just come back into the hobby after a break. I mean, it's you, you got your ticket while you were in college, then your career came along and family came along. You had to take a break from the hobby, you kept the ho- your, your ticket alive, and you came back into the hobby later in years. But when you kind of left the hobby, the hobby was kind of one way, and now... It's a total different animal and trying to get back into it. You're more than welcome to stop in and ask questions and we'll be more than happy to, to help you get back, you know, get your feet wet into the back into the amateur radio world because it's, a lot changed. It's two-way communication, two-way communication. You uh, can steer the show where we need it to go. So uh, we'll bring a topic and we'll, we'll iron it out a little bit and then we'll see what you guys want to talk about. I'm going to take this opportunity to thank you for watching and listening. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts and take it with you. It comes right to your device. And uh, thank you, Scotty. It's Kilo Charlie 3, Bravo, X-Ray November, Sidecar Steve, W7UDI. Thank you both for being here and the work you do each week. I'll say 7-3 to you boys. 7-3, Christian. All right. Take care of yourself. We'll uh, see some of you coming over to the uh, Sunday evening net. The rest of you, take care of yourselves. Look out for each other. And by all means, if you can, please try and stay above the noise. 7-3, gang. We'll see you soon. 7-3, all To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100wattsinawire.com.